we were going to roll right in this next uh, part of worship. Hang, hang on, kids. Actually, look at them go. Not yet. Stay put just for a few minutes. Just for a few minutes. We've got some, a couple of cool things we're going to do here, one after the other. I, I don't know how many of you know what today is for a lot of churches, including ourselves throughout the United States, but today is something we call Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And I'm not sure if you know why this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday or not. Does anybody know why it's today and no other day of the year? It's because this is the closest Sunday to the day that Roe v. Wade was decided by the Supreme Court. And, and they're, um, they're after making abortion much more available. And so um, we just wanted to spend a few minutes today reflecting on, on what that means, the sanctity of human life. Actually, our whole service today is going to be in some way geared around that because that's what Jesus cares about is our lives. And so uh, with that, I want you to check out the screen. So we wanted to just spend some time, and, and uh, one of the blessings that we have in Highland is that we not only care about this theoretically, the issue of abortion and children that are yet to be born, but we actually care about it in other ways here in our community. And one was what Corey talked about earlier on the screens, actually, was the Pregnancy Care Center. And uh, I do want to say that on, on days like today, it can... It's what we proclaim is that God cares about every human life. A great friend of mine always said, when he hears the term unwanted pregnancy, he always says, unwanted by whom? Who didn't want it? And that's a hard question to answer. And yet, we know also that there are folks who have been through decisions they've made that ended in an abortion. And there's a lot of pain and hurt. I don't pretend to understand that. I'm a guy. I don't understand that fully. But I know that the Pregnancy Care Center is a, has, um, offers services for folks who have been through it to, to kind of share and journey through that and find healing and wholeness. And I'm doing a terrible job of speaking to this uh, because I'm not going to burden Carrie Adolph with it. But it, it, Lori Stoker, are you here somewhere? There you are. Lori Stoker is our liaison for the Pregnancy Care Center. Carrie Adolph is the director of it. And we are so blessed to be part of that ministry. And so uh, not only are they helping with crisis pregnancies, and, and you know, uh, that just means families who aren't quite, quite ready, but they're also helping with folks who have been through it, uh, with both men and women, teaching men to be fathers, teaching women to be mothers, and just nurturing and loving children into the world. That's one thing I want to point out to you on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. The second thing is this, that, that we've actually had opportunities to go and to pray. You know, ideally what we want to do in Highland and the community is to stop. It, when you hear about a need, when you hear, or, or, or if you have someone in your family who is going through a crisis pregnancy and just needs some support and some love, by all means, refer them to Pregnancy Care Center, refer them to us, and we will do everything we can just to love them and help them raise the child, and not just initially, not just get them through birth and then hands off, but help them through their life and their journey. We've, many of us have been parents, and we've been through it, and we know how hard it is. So please refer them to Family Bible Church, to myself, to our leadership team, or to carry it off at the Pregnancy Care Center. We would love to walk with them through that. The, the last thing is that we've been involved in the prayer vigils in Granite City as well. And I know many of you did not participate in those things when we did them. And maybe for you it's got too much baggage or too much pain or too much emotion. But, you know, God has a heart 
for those yet to be born. It almost sounds ridiculous that we would even have to say that, that the ones that he has made, he desires. So, so I would invite you to be involved in prayer ministry with that. I would invite you to be involved with the Pregnancy Care Center as a volunteer. And any way you can, I would invite you to participate in that ministry. So let's pray together. And by the way, can we just take a minute and listen to the praises of our youngest members crying out to God today? I mean, can we just receive a blessing from them? Let's pray. Father, today we just take a few moments of your worship service of a time that we set aside for glory to you. And we, we pray, Lord, for our hearts and minds that are, that are bringing life into the world. We know that you've knit us together in our mother's rooms. You know, we know you give life. And as a life giver, Lord, we, we bring these concerns before you. We pray that you would change a nation. We do. We pray that you would change the heart of this nation, that we would care about the unborn, that, that we would see them as your children, as gifts that cannot be cheaply destroyed. And so, Father God, today I pray uh, for your blessings in all those ways. And I pray for hearts that need to be mended over loss and over pain, over decisions that are made. I pray for your healing and your hope to be found in the hearts of those who are giving care to crisis pregnancies, whether they be here or they be other places, Father. And we lift this whole movement to you that for your glory and for your people, you would raise up a generation that would say, just because you made them, they're valuable. Just because, no matter what our plans were, Lord, you thought differently. I pray that we would have the courage to parent in that circumstance. I thank you for the lives that are saved every day. And I pray, Father, in all this, in all these things, you would receive glory and honor and praise today and forever. Amen. So I'm going to do one more thing uh, today. So I'm going to ask you guys to stay right here a minute. And I'm going to ask all those children, would you guys come down the front right here with us? Just come right down here and stand right here. Because you know what I was reminded today as we were preparing, sorry about standing in front of you, Casey, that uh, we took this responsibility for a lot of kids. We've made this pledge to a lot of kids. And I'm going to ask the body now to kind of gather around the children here. And we're just going to have a word of prayer over the children. There we go. The backseaters have got a long walk now. You've got a long way to go. All right. Let's pray together. Uh, Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of children today as we celebrate life and the life you've given us. We pray, Lord, that by your grace and by your power, we would rise to the challenge, that we would uh, call a generation to know you, to love you, that because we love you, because we believe, because we follow you, we might impart a passion to them to follow you as well. And yet, Lord, we know this is your work and your children and your kingdom. And so today, Father God, we just pray your blessings upon them. We pray for every blast teacher who, who week in and week out try to impart the knowledge of the truth of the gospel. We pray for every young heart who shows up to receive it. We pray for the families and the environments that they go home to that there be blessings and encouragement, strengthening in you. And so today, Father God, we just want to pray a blessing upon the children. We know not only 
did you let your son Jesus be dedicated to you? But your son Jesus blessed children. And so we pray, Lord, that he would bless our children as well. May they be found in you, Father. We, we pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey. All right, it's time to go to blast. I love that they're so, they're so used to the routine, as we all are, that the minute the music is over, they were like, heading for the door. They're like, out of here. I hope that wasn't too weird for any of you. I know uh, it, one of my indicators that I use for weirdness is my wife's eyes. The bigger they get, the weirder it's gotten, you know. But I think that we, we sometimes we believe this is going to happen in a vacuum. We believe that God's out there working somewhere, that, that, that there's holy rooms and holy people. And, and it's true there are holy people, but it's you. God is doing a work in your life to bless others. And it's not always going to be about the, some expert or some person who has it all together, but it's going to be the Holy Spirit of God working in you through broken ways that you try. And I think as a parent, um, I have experienced that. I hope, I, I'm sure if you're a parent, you have too. There's so many times that, that we succeed as parents not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done in spite of us, that we trust him with our children as well. Well, we've been spending a few weeks talking about the promises of God and, and what it means to dwell on those promises, to trust God with those things. And I figured a good way to kind of transition from the dedication into the, the message today, which is actually all tied into the same idea, um, was I thought I would offer Corey, because he's going to need it, obviously, after the, uh, the uh, gun and car chase earlier, maybe some parenting tips. Not from me, from wiser people than me. So here's a list of, of tips that you might find useful, Corey, as you raise Brandon. Maybe we'll all find them useful. A few of these are from folks that you might know, so I'm going to go ahead and credit those, and there's a bunch of them that are kind of various. But a few of these first ones are from Bill Cosby, right? A very wise father. He says, no matter how calmly you try to referee, parenting will eventually produce very bizarre behavior. And I'm not referring to your children. Okay. He said, the truth is that parents are not really interested in justice. All they really want is quiet, which I can say amen to that. It ain't about what's fair. Um, and then someone called Irma Bombeck. Do you know who that is? Look at the ladies in the house. See, I didn't know who this was, but she was wise. She had a lot of things to say. She says, one thing they ever tell you about uh, raising your child is that for the rest of your life, at the drop of a hat, you'll need to know every child's name and how old he or she is. Which isn't very, you know, big deal when you have one, but just wait. <laughs> when you're doing math, you're like, oh, I should know that. I should know that. Here's a great one. Whenever young Brandon becomes wild and unruly, it's a great idea to use a playpen. And then as soon as he's done being crazy, you can climb back out. <laughs> right? I, I, I thought that was really insightful. In general, uh, ch your, children's gonna, your child's going to refuse to eat anything that doesn't dance on TV. That's kind of true. Um, and then uh, here's some various quotes. Make sure your children have everything in life that you couldn't afford. Because then when you're old, you can move in with them and enjoy it. Right? Uh, be nice to your children, because uh, they are probably going to determine which nursing home you go to. Most children will threaten their parents at times to run away from home. But what they don't realize is this is often the only thing that keeps us going. 
And we spend the first, this is going to be appropriate, right? We spend the first 12 months uh, of our children's lives teaching them to walk and to talk. And the next several years teaching them to sit down and be quiet. A few more. If your, child, if your kids are giving you a headache, just follow the instructions that are found in the aspirin bottle, especially the part that says, keep away from children. <laughs> oh, the beauty of spacing your children a few years apart lies in the fact that parents have time to learn the mistakes they made with the first children, so they can make all the other mistakes with the next children. If you love to play hide-and-seek with your kids, be looking for that spot that if things get really bad, you can hide until they're out of high school. Teenagers, right? I'm just going to find one more in here that was really worth telling you guys. Oh, well, this is fun, right? Ways that you can embarrass your children. This is, I'll end with this, but um, uh, when you drop them off at school, especially as they get into the more advanced years, make sure as you leave uh, that you give them a kiss, that you wave goodbye vigorously, and then blow kisses as you drive away. <laughs> That's worked very well with Nathan, uh, hasn't it? He enjoys that at the high school. Yeah, so just a few, just a few tips there uh, that you might want to, you know, try out as you parent. All joking aside, there's there so much about parenting that's almost impossible. There's so much. The truth is that, that when, I remember so clearly whenever I left the hospital with my firstborn son, I couldn't believe they let me take him home, right? And we've said that, I've talked about it before. There's so much responsibility that comes with it. And there's so many promises that are spoken and unspoken over our children that it can become easy as a parent to get overwhelmed. It can become easy to think there's no way, uh, there's no way this is going to work out uh, for any good. And uh, that's kind of a crazy statement, but I think it's true. And yet what we find in these promises that God has made is that he's making promises not only over us, and, and that's what's so exciting about like a dedication, but over our children and our children's children for generations and generations. That the God that we follow isn't the God of, you know, recent history. He isn't the one that's kind of the Johnny-come-lately. That the God that we follow is the God that's been blessing his people forever. The Bible opens with the story of the creation narrative. And even in that first creative act, as his creatures, as those whom he created, he, he built for us a place that would sustain us, that would be a nurturing place, that would be a blessing to us. I had a friend that sent an email this week, and, and, and she has this real knack for seeing God in the common things, God in ordinary things. And she sent this picture that she took, and she said, do you see God in the picture? I don't know how often we see that, the way God's created everything, that we might enjoy it and be blessed. But he's keeping promises for the generations. As a matter of fact, I was driving in this morning. I don't think you'll be able to see this very well. But I was driving in this morning. Yeah, you can't really see it at all. If you can look right over here. Oh, did anybody see the rainbow today? You had to be up kind of early, not super early. It was about 7 o'clock this morning. The sun was coming over the horizon. I only know that because my GPS changed to sunrise mode. And this most beautiful arc just started. You can see that's the middle school behind that building there. And, and it just started and it just went all the way across Highland. It stretched to the other end and it was so gorgeous. And I know it's just a light effect. I know that it's just, you know, the way my scientific mind, it's just the way that the light's refracting off of the beads of water in the air. But there's something that's glorious 
about it. Not because it's a rainbow, but because it reminds me of the promises that God has made over us. As his children, as his people, thousands and thousands of years ago, God made promises over us that he would not destroy us, but that he would save us. And so these ways that we find, any ways we can find in our lives to incorporate the promises of God, to experience those promises fulfilled, to know that he is faithful to keep his word is a blessing to us, and it keeps us following after him. And one of the things that I do realize as a parent, and I, I don't know if you guys are there or not, I don't know how, what your parenting style is or how you approach parenting, but I believe that one of the reasons that parents become parents is that we don't have an active enough prayer life. Because I can tell you as, a, as a, a single person with not many responsibilities in life, you can pretty much pretend you have it all together. You can pretend like you've got things figured out. But there's something that happens whenever you introduce living creatures into your house that have a mind and a will of their own. There's something that happens that you begin to realize that someone has to do something. That you have a responsibility over your children, but someone's really going to have to help you with this. And you begin to pray. And you begin to pray. And I know for me, my prayer life really kicked in at the birth of my children. As a matter of fact, I even told this to some of you before, but even whenever I was a non-believer, when I did not yet know Christ Jesus as Savior, something about the experience of seeing my son born brought me to my knees before the eternal God. And I said, help me with this. Help my wife with this. There was something transcendent that was happening in his gift of giving life that brought me to my Savior, that brought me to my Lord. And so this prayer that builds through our lives, that begins at birth with our children and throughout their lives, and I know those of you who survived teenage years, and I'm so glad we have some of you here because otherwise the rest of us would be hopeless on the teenage thing, right? Is that you can pray and, and learn and lead and live your way through it. And not only are you going to survive it, but God is going to bless your children. That he has a plan for them, as Carrie shared earlier. And so we begin to pray throughout our lives. And we pray more and more. And I'm not sure that it ever stops. I'm not sure that it ever stops our concern. Well, as we, with that thought, let's go ahead and let's pray as we open the word of God today and see what Jesus has to say about parenting. Father God, today we are so grateful to be here, boy, and we are so blessed to be your children, Father. You know, it's just unbelievable, it's just unimaginable that you have done so much to care for us, that you have created so many things for us to enjoy, and more incredible than anything is that you want to be in relationship with us, that you want us to just call you Abba. We want you, you want us to lean upon you and respond to your love for us. And so today, Father God, I pray that we would be learning to do that. I pray that today we would know more deeply that we're your children and, and that we would receive the blessings, the promises you have for our children because they're your children too. Today, as we open your word, I pray you'd open our minds to the truth. I pray that you would reveal yourself through scripture. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in hearts and make it, make it all matter to us. That we could be actually uh, driven towards you. 
We love you and thank you for the great work you're doing. We thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you for you. We thank you that we even know you at all. Pray these prayers in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. So today we're going to talk about this little text. I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. Um, on, uh, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read a little around it, but if you don't have a Bible, by the way, grab one of ours. It's going to be on page 673 if you use one of our Bibles. And if you brought your own, I hope you did. Um, we're going to, you'll probably be able to find it there. It's the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew that's in the Gospels. It's toward the front of the, or the back of the Bible. Um, it's the first Gospel, the first one in the New Testament. And this, this passage is, that got, is about parenting, but it's also, uh, we just talked about, about prayer. I think I'd say it's formally about prayer. It's officially about prayer. But it mentions parenting, and so I just want to read it together. I'm going to back up a little bit, because this is actually my, one of my favorite stomping grounds in the text. But I want to start with verse 7-7. Seven, seven. This is what the scripture says. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm going to continue on to verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Because this sums up the law and the prophets. This verse of scripture, if you have a red letter Bible, does your Bible have red letters in it? You'll see that that's just all red, those pages there. Um, the page before it, and if you flip back a page, I think it's another page and a half of, of red. These are, this is the, the, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know why it's known as the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at the first part of chapter 5, it says, Now when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down on the mount. And so Jesus goes up and sits down on the mountainside with who? His disciples. And he begins to teach them about things that matter. And so in the middle of this, we have this, this little text that talks about um, the promises of God and prayer and what we have in Christ and what we have in God himself as a father. And, and by the way, this became a controversial point. If you study my scripture, you know that one of the controversies of Jesus was that he said, God is our father and loves us intimately, knows us intimately. He said, I am begotten of the father. Right? So he actually begins to teach us about something beyond the legalistic relationship with God. Something beyond the, even the creation narrative that the Jews had had where, yeah, we know that we're all from the same descendant line and, and eventually if you go back far enough, we're all Adam and Eve's children. Jesus says, no, you have a father who loves you right now, right where you are. I know for many of us, that's a hard concept to understand even now, 2,000 years later. It's a hard concept to understand because for many of us, our relationship to God the Father starts with our relationship to our earthly father, which is one of the reasons why it's a really heavy responsibility being a parent. Because in some ways, for young Brandon, the first image he'll have of the love of God will come from Corey and Carrie. And that's why parents start to freak out, especially the longer you go. But here Jesus talks to us about a father who knows us and loves us and who wants to give us good gifts. 
I'll start here just in verse 9. It says, which of you, and Jesus asked this question openly, right? Which of you, disciples, learners, those who are seeking after Christ today, if you're here today, he's talking to you, which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? What I love about this passage of scripture is the answer is obvious. Which one of you would do that? If your son were to cry out, you know, you think right now, what's going on in, in Haiti, for example, where there are people who are starving right now, who can't get access to food? And Jesus asked that question. He says, which one of you gathered in this room today, if your son came crying for bread, crying for a loaf, crying for a bite, would give him a rock? I think the answer is, well, none of us would. None of us would. As I thought about, well, what's the big deal? Why would he say a bread and a rock anyway? You know, it's, it's useless for that. You can do some things with a rock, but you can't eat it, right? And he says, which one of you, if your son or daughter would come and ask for something that they needed to have to sustain themselves, wouldn't provide it? Which one? And we say, well, none of us. None of us would. And the second question that Jesus asks, he says, which of you, if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Now, this one I don't quite understand as much because, you know, you could eat a snake, right? <laughs> I've seen that guy on TV do it, you know. Um, you would say, I would never eat a snake, but you never know. In a bad enough situation, you might eat a snake. You've got to catch it first. That'd be the problem for me. But which of you, if they wanted a fish, would give them a snake? And, and this to me, can only, the only thing I can think of, and you can tell me if you think otherwise, but is, can you imagine sitting down to a meal and expecting to have fish and having a snake? Or can you, I can clean a fish. I'm not sure I could clean a snake, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a more dangerous proposition. Uh, the Bible actually says that he, there's going to be in, enmity between the serpent and the human, right, in the Garden of Eden because of the sin and the fall of man. The snake becomes one of the things that we most despise in the world. Now, I know some of you have snakes as pets. I've been to your house. And, and, and some of you have those snakes as pets. And, and that's a pretty unique thing because the Word actually says that there's going to be this fear, this irrational fear between this, this battle between the serpent and the human. And so here, if your child asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? Now, you might say, well, my kid would like a snake. So I'd give him, he'd be like, yeah, that's cool. That's different. In the text, he's saying, which of you would do that? I thought about bringing a bag with a snake in it. I couldn't find somebody to give me their snake. And I was going to see if somebody reached in there and get it out, you know. Um, it wouldn't be me. No way. I think if you got the snake out, I'd run away. That's what I think would happen. Yeah, but there's this idea of something that you need for, for uh, sustenance, again, and, and to give something that's going to terrify you or, or not at least be a, a accessible to you in a snake. Again, the question's kind of rhetorical. Which one you would do it? And you would say, well, none of us would do that. What kind of parent would do that? And I think the good news of this text right away is the first thing that I see in it is that Jesus affirms our role as parents. How cool is that? How cool is it that what Jesus says is, which one of you gathered here 2,000 years ago, and here we are 2,000 years later, and we read the same text, if our son or daughter asked us for a fish or bread, would give him a stone or a serpent? None of us would. I wouldn't. And now there are parents in the world who might, but, but I'm not one of them, and most people I think wouldn't. There's something that God has given us, just the, the nurturing portion of our, ourselves that knows that that's wrong on some level. 
that if your child asks for bread, you're going to give them bread. If your child asks for fish, they're going to give you fish. They're going to give them fish. And so it affirms our role, Jesus does here, he affirms our role as parents over those he's entrusted to us. By the way, that's something else. You know, many times I've talked to folks and they've said, you know, I'm not sure why I, I, I can't parent or I don't have the gifts for this or I don't have the skills for this. And I want to say that God's entrusted that life to you for a purpose, you know? And, and just because you're in that role, it doesn't mean it's automatic, by the way. You learn to parent. But he has gifted you in the ways that you need to be gifted to, to parent that child. It might be hard. It's been hard. But he's given you what you need to do the job he's called you to do. And so he affirms our role as parents. He affirms our wisdom as parents, even. He affirms that what we know is good, what we know to be true, what we know to be right in the world. I'll tell you another way you can see this right now in our culture. If you hear a story about a child who's abused, or if you see something that's just totally inappropriate, you just react to that. Why? Because you know it's wrong. You know that's not the way it ought to be. I would even say on a more intimate level in our own homes, whenever we find ourselves interacting with our kids and we cross that line, well, whatever it is, you know, you just, I mean, I can't tell you what it is for you, but you just know when you've crossed it as a parent, you've transgressed on God's creature, on the one that has God's image entrusted to you. And that's the place where you know it's wrong and it's a place of repentance to be able to admit that and make that right. So I would say that it's not, it's never easy to parent, but, you know, some things are easier to see than others, but in our own lives, we have those same things where we fail. So Jesus affirms our role as parents over these children. As a, fact, as a matter of fact, he, he affirms this common sense that we have, this sense of justice, of right and wrong, of, of appropriate and inappropriate behavior, and we should be listening to that. He says, which of you, if your child asks, would not? And there's a whole bunch of things we can put in there, but we'll leave it right where Jesus left it. A stone and a fish. By the way, I want to mention one other thing about this text. You know what kind of blew me away when I was preparing for this morning? The loaf of bread... And the fish occur somewhere else in Scripture. They occur at the miracle feedings of Jesus. When he breaks the bread and distributes it to the people, when he breaks the fish and distributes it to the people, it happens twice in Scripture, where he makes much of nothing. He makes much of little. And so again, as parents, if your child asks for bread, would you provide bread? You, the, the next step to that is, Trusting Jesus to make the abundance, to make it more than what you've offered, because our offerings are so little. So here's the text. Let's read it again. Which of you, if a son asks for bread, would give him a stone, or asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Now here's where the catch is for us. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So here's the problem that we have. No matter how good we think we are doing as parents, no matter how right we think we are, no matter how just we think it is, the truth is that from the fall of man, we're flawed. We're missing the mark. We're not getting it right. And Jesus calls us out on this and he says, which one of you who are evil 
if you know how to do it, as someone who's evil, how much more is the perfect God going to give gifts? How much more does God have stored up for you that's perfect for what you need? Then you might be thinking, man, I get it. This is, I got it. It's, it's straightforward, but I want you to hear because I, I tell you what I think we're doing right now in our culture. I tell you what I think we do in our families. I tell you what I think we do in our lives. And that's this. We believe that we're better parents than God is. We think that we know stuff that God don't know. We talked last week about in your, in your relationships in your life, whether you're, you're married right now or you're waiting to be married, you've been praying about your husband or your wife. We talked about how God knows where you are. And, and I think parenting is one of those areas of our life where we could easily believe that God is, you don't know the whole story here. What's happening? Yeah, but you don't know my kid. You don't know my situation. Oh, and we can get to these times of desperation where we're just hopeless. And we say, oh, it's lost. There's no hope. And we presume to be better parents than God. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to what Jesus says. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Actually, the text says, how will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? What is good? Because the truth of the matter is, and this should be a benefit to our prayer life and a benefit to our trust in God's promises, that if we stand before the holy, perfect God, I mean, if you can imagine that you were that child asking your father for a loaf of bread or asking your father for a fish, and he would give you something else that was harmful to you or that was useless to you, it would be easy to live in that place of mistrust forever. But as we stand before the holy God, the throne of the one who created everything, and we ask for good things, how do we ever come to a place where we believe he would give Give us something less than the best. Do you hear what I'm saying? How could we ever believe that if we're there and we're saying, God, would you please help me with this? Or would you show me the way on this? Or would you guide me in this? How could we ever believe that whatever he has, and to us it might look like a rock or a, a snake. It might look like what we don't need. How could we ever believe that he hasn't given us the perfect gift of what we need and what's useful to us in that situation? You know, the bread shows up somewhere else in the scripture too. It shows up whenever Jesus is in the wilderness and Satan is tempting him. And one of the temptations of Satan is this. He says, command that stone to become bread. Command something useless to become something useful. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days in the desert. And Jesus said, no way. Why? Because God had given him everything he needed to do what he was called to do. And, you know, we can be tempted to do the same thing, make a deal. You know, I, I know God says he's good, but I just don't think I can trust him this time. I know God says he has a plan for my children, but I don't think I can trust my children with him. I think it gets harder as they leave. I'm not there yet, but I've seen some of you go through it, and it just seems like there's panic when the children leave the house. I want you to know that uh, the God that was big enough to save you is it big enough to save your kids? I want to say something else to the kids who are leaving. And you think that, you know, you got it figured out and that you're going to do your thing. I do want to say that you have to own your own faith. God's revealing himself to you, but you have to receive that gift from him. 
Your parents can pray and pray and pray, but it comes down to you trusting Jesus as your Savior, that you would be on your own journey, that you would be following him yourself. And in that place, we find the great blessing and abundance of God himself. So then the question is, if we know what's good, if we know what's right, how much more does our Father in heaven know what's good and right? If we can trust our own devices to get through the day, how much more can we trust in what God's provided for us to get through the day? We've talked about a lot of stuff today, not just this time, but earlier in the service. And um, I don't know what you're dealing with today that you need a loving Father to be there for you. You know? I don't know what it is in your life that you just, man, you're having a hard time letting God have that. But I believe, and not because, because I'm there with you, that there's some things that we just got to let God have. We just got to let him take it and trust him with it. And so where that is for you today, I would pray that you would be able to trust him with that. Whether it's children that you're dealing with right now or whether it's uh, what's coming down the pipe, whether it's the fear of the future, whatever it is that, that you are afraid of that you cannot imagine approaching alone, I pray you wouldn't. I pray you would trust that God, your heavenly father, is leading you there. I want to close in prayer today, um, as we always do, but I, I want to, I, I just really hope that we are growing in that relationship with him. Come what may, that's my prayer for all of us today. Let's pray. Father, today we come before you as a broken people, as people who, who as your word says today, are evil, that don't have it right, that don't have it figured out, Father. And yet we take Jesus' words for their worth. We take them at his word and we, we know that you are the giver of all good and perfect gifts. And Father, today I, I pray for those folks here who have just been through the ringer, whether they, they've, they've not had children or they've, they've been, uh, had some children and they've had trouble as parents or, or they've just, they're just wore out from it. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just well up in them to, to heal them in those places of their lives to lead them towards you for ultimate healing, that they would rely upon you and your salvation. I pray today, Father, for those who are gathered here with us who have maybe had really, really bad relationships with their fathers, who can't imagine a father that loves them so much that he would really, really give them good stuff when they asked. I pray that you would be working in those places to just draw them near to you. I pray your Holy Spirit would just form their heart in a new way to trust you. You know, Father, today the sacrifice of your son on the cross seems so unimaginable to me. Your word says you you love the world so much you gave Jesus to us as a gift for our sinfulness and our evil. And I pray today, Father God, that we would know that gift and receive it that in that unimaginable sacrifice you made, we'd find peace with you. We'd find love in you. And uh, but you are the best father we could ever want. 
have your way in our lives and teach us to trust you, teach us to reach for you, teach us to cry out to you. And may we always be found, you know, wherever we are in life or whatever, may we be found saying, that's my dad. My dad wants good for me. He spoke good over me. We love you and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and glory. Amen.